Hi, you found Wisdom Radio. This is Andy Height, and I am so glad that you were able to join me. Today's show is going to be fascinating. I have with me today Dr. PMH Atwater. She is one of the leading contributors to the near-death experience phenomenon understanding, to our understanding of that phenomenon. She has been studying it for decades. One of the leaders. She's been recognized by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. She has a Lifetime Achievement Award from the National Association of Transpersonal Hypnotherapists. She's written 15 books. Just delighted to have her. Dr. Atwater, welcome to uh, to the show. Well, I'm very glad to be here. Yes, I understand that not only have you studied this phenomenon, but you actually have experienced it yourself, not just yes. once, but three <laughs> times. <laughs> I died three times in three months oh my. in 1977. I look back at that and I call it the heavenly sledgehammer effect. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's like God was hammering on me. Well, what do you think that was about? I mean, did he? Get, obviously, he got through, or she got through, or both. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm completely different from what I used to be. I'll tell you for sure. It, it, it spins my life right around, spun it right around, um, and and you know, just sort of tossed me off in a new direction, and that direction is research, and that's what I've been doing since 1978, getting getting to the bottom of things. And, um, you know, I've written 11 books on my findings, many other books as well, but specifically on my findings, 11 books. And I'm just so, so happy to talk about about the new one, Dying to Know You, Proof of God in the Near-Death Experience. Yeah. And the really... Yeah. Yeah, And and, and like 4,000... I mean, you have interviewed thousands of people who have had this experience. Adults and children. You know, I've been doing this for a long time, and I'm very thorough. Um, I'm a cop's kid. I was raised in a police station, so I use police investigative techniques as my protocol. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I'm thir- when I say I'm thorough, I'm not kidding. So um, I really go for it. But in this book, Dying to Know You, it, it it really is the only book written so far that it's from the collective in the collective's voice about the collective experience. And and that's why, you know, I, I'm almost, I'm humbled, I'm joy-filled, I'm excited to talk about it because... Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I, 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 I loved it. It was, uh, and it's, it's a nice quick read too, which I always appreciate because there's just so much to read and you've managed to distill this um, down so that it's very accessible. Um, and it also just really paints a picture of what we can expect. Because I think that's the one thing most of us who haven't been lucky enough. Well, I don't know if it's so lucky to have that experience. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I'm glad you added that little proviso because um, most near-death experiences come from violence or, or trauma. Mm-hmm. So you have a body to rebuild afterward as well as, you know, handling what happened to you. And it can be really confusing sometimes. 
and and it has uh, effects on the body and on on your very sense of being after that, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. For me, it was rough stuff because um, I had I had to relearn, or I should say, relearn how to crawl, how to stand, how to walk, how to tell the difference between left and right, how to see properly, hear properly, and rebuild all my belief systems. So I was doing exercises constantly. There was a lot of pain. Um, just, yeah, just... there's a lot of things to deal with besides having been on the other side, you know, and and seeing that and and feeling it, and being it, and you know, it it just mind blowing, a... mind blowing, yeah, pa- paradigm shifting, um, everything, um, all at once. And how um, how do people? Well, first of all. Can you paint a picture for us to the best of your ability of what you believe is waiting on the other side? Or is there another side? Are we in it? Um, I, I may, may be throwing a lot of questions at you, but just in general, what is your sense of it? Well, let me give you the four words that most near-death experiencers say after their experience. It's the same four words almost every, any, anywhere in the world. And those words are, always there is life. Now, if you look at that, that means there's no before life, there's no present life, there's no, few, there's no afterlife. It means that always, in some form, in some space, in some dimension, we have always existed, we exist now, and we always will exist. It means literally that eternity is our home. Mm. So what are we doing here? Well, we're, we're learning. You know, I, I get this sense that the curriculum is written over there. You know, we find out once we're on the other side what the real curriculum is or what the plan is or... You know, sort of to quote that old song, what 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 it's all about, Alfie. You know, we get that on the other side, but it's this side in a human body on the earth plane, living the lives that we live. This is where we form our muscles. This is where we wake up. This is where we learn and grow and create and experience what it's like to really move matter and what it's like to go through lives. And 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 to me that that's just wow. You know, that that to me is almost the bigger wow. Because when yeah. you come to realize, you know, that 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 you're you're a co creator with the creator. You know, you're important. When you realize that, I mean, well, well, well. And do you think, you know, one thing that struck me in reading these experiences is how almost overwhelmingly beautiful they are. Um, Most of them are. Most of them are. In in, in over uh, the the, sen- the senses are almost almost over you know just uh, almost like a circuit board uh, you know would blow up. It's just like so expansive. Do you think that being in this body is in some way a filter for us so that we can then just enjoy some simplicity, the five senses, um, you know, just living this terrestrial life? Well, this terrestrial life is important. 
I mean, like I said before, this is where we get our muscles. This is where we really learn and create and do things. So I think living is extremely important. And, and if you take a good look at the near-death experience, it almost says, says more about life than it does death. And what it says is that we are, we are far bigger. We are far more powerful. We are far stronger than we, we could possibly conceive. I mean, we have a soul. We are a soul, and and that soul is really incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, so when people come uh, go into this uh, near death state, you say only a small percentage actually have that tunnel experience. Is that right? But but what what is is there? Well, a... you know, the, the conservative estimate worldwide is four to five percent in the uh, regular population. Uh, if you're going to look at a hospital scenario, then it's between twelve to twenty eight percent in a hospital will have this. So obviously, most people don't have it. Um, there's only a few that do, mm-hmm. but those few that come back and talk about it, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, um, that's where we get the picture. That's where we get the knowing or, or the idea of, of, of that greater rea- reality. You know, with 90 to 95% coming back and saying yes to God, that there is a God, that God's no fairy story, nobody made it up. You know, there really is that incredible intelligence, that, that awesome light, if you want to call it, or beingness. Mm-hmm. Not everybody returns calling God God. Sure. Some people change the name, like presence, or the all, or creator, or the force, or that which knows itself, or supreme being. I, I found that fascinating, and and something about the 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 feeling about its gender that it's um, uh, the, the masculine energy, and then there's this velvety feminine well, energy. You know, that that is that is so interesting to me, um, and I'm sure to you and everyone else that most adults um, perceive God or feel God, see God as genderless. This incredible power. Uh, adults, adults estimate that God's um, great power is, is, is uh, it's brighter than 10,000 suns. So we're talking voltage here. We're talking a real power. Uh, children um, sometimes will we'll see God as, as a gender, this idea of father or grandfather, but, but an interesting thing with a lot of children, they'll go up, go up to that being, and they'll say, is this what you really look like? Uh, you know, I mean, leave it to kids. And instantly, that being, that figure, bursts into this light, this voltage, this high-powered voltage. And the same thing happens with angels. If they ask, you know, is that what you really look like? And most children will see angels as winged ones. Um, same thing happens. They, they burst into this, this incredible light, only it's not as big or as powerful as, as God's light. 
and when you know people on the other side talk about God, um, it's re- it's really not quite the same as the God of Holy Writ. Rather, it's bigger. It's larger. It's uh, you know when they talk about God, they're talking about uh, something that. Uh, a particular feeling or sense or power that that is simply beyond words. You can't describe it. And and that God is personal because that God knows your name. It knows all about you. It can converse with you. Um, you can't fool it, though. You can't fool God. Well, how do we know, and you being uh, such a consummate researcher, I'm sure you'll be able to answer this question. How do we know that it's not just the brain doing this when we die, or or when we almost die, having this experience? Well, let me give you an example. This is uh, this is a woman in her early thirties. Uh, She's driving out in the country uh, countryside. Uh, she's tra- traveling fairly fast. And uh, she's broadsided by a truck on the driver's side, killed on impact, rushed to the hospital. They're convinced that they could they can uh, resuscitate her. They did, in fact, on the operating table. And when they brought her back, she was very, very animated. And all she can talk about is, I saw my father. I met my father. And he told me, all about that that he just died. He just died. And and he told me all about his death, and he told me that it's his time to go, but it's not my time. I have to stay here. I have to come back. Well, the doctors and the nurses are very confused um, and very disturbed by by this woman, and um, they go to the family that's gathering, you know, in in in, in the lounge area where, where the families gather, and, and they talk about what this woman is saying. What about the father? What is this stuff about the father? And the family all poo-poo, and they say, oh, obviously this is hallucination. This is just the brain. The father is in excellent health. In fact, one of them there had spoken to him on the on 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 the phone that very morning. Oh, so her father her father was alive. <laughs> so yeah, he's, everything's wow. fine with the father. Okay. So the doctors go back and they talk to her again and she becomes even more animated about having seen her father and talking to her father and he explained everything to her about her life, his life and life and death. So this time the doctor goes back, and he's kind of, um, well, he's rather forceful. And he says to the family, get that man on the phone. I want the father on the phone. I want him to talk to her so she can settle down so we can work with her. So several phone calls later, they find out that the father died exactly as she said he did Five minutes before she did. Oh my! Now, now, <laughs> that's pretty convincing. <laughs> <laughs> These are the kind of cases we get. Well, I, I, I imagine no you. I, I imagine you know. your work is never boring. 
Oh, no. Look, when we're talking about near-death experiences, what, what you need to be prepared for is birth trauma. A lot of cases come from birth trauma. A lot of babies have near-death experiences. John Leona, who's the frontest, um, who wrote the frontispiece to my book, um, The New Children and Near-Death Experiences, um, he had his near-death experience inside his mother's vagina as he was being born. And he, uh, the youngest, he remembered it oh, later? Yeah. Clearly, drew pictures of it. Wow. Clearly. Hmm. The youngest case I came across was seven months in utero before birth. And so what, when they get older, they talk to you about it? When they have, have, uh, when they, uh, have language finally and can talk about it, yes, they talk about it, or they drop in it pictures or, you know, poems, or they'll sing about it. Um, of course, with little ones, um, that can be a problem because often the family thinks they're fantasizing, they'll say, shut up, or they'll say, it's just your imagination. It's really difficult for children to be understood or to be believed. Um, you know, they go through a lot in... in um, in talking about their experience and then in integrating it, especially in school. And and again, when you're talking about near-death experiences, you're talking about abortions. You're talking about missing twins. These these beings, these people, these souls uh, come back and often populate or are in near-death experiences, their loved ones' near-death experiences. So here's... Here's what I'm trying to figure out. Um, so you have an, a near-death experience in utero, and then a little later in life you remember it with, with clarity in terms of what it's like on the other side. Right. Why do we come into this world with such amnesia about what is on the other side? Do you think that's intentional? I rather suspect maybe, because if we knew what the other side was like. If we knew what we um, were truly, who we truly are, um, would we go through the lives that we go through? Would we learn? Would we advance? Would we fall down? Would would you know? Would all these things happen to us if we had the full picture? I don't think so. Mm. Um, Interesting. I, I, I think it's good that. You know, along about maybe the first grade, mm -hmm. that's when amnesia usually sets in. It, well, it's worked out of us. You know, what kids know, especially as babies, it's worked out of you by the time you get to school. So, um, yeah. What, what, is, there any, is there any connection between the near-death experience, what's on the other side, and seeing ghosts, do you think? Well, there, there can be in the sense that um, near-death experiencers, uh, when the experience is over, will often continue to see disincarnates on the other side, especially children. So if you're talking about ghosts, mm -hmm. maybe that's not a good term to use. Not I, sure I, I think about I like that. I like your term better, disincarnates. Yeah. yeah. Uh, They'll they'll see they'll see the dearly departed they'll mm -hmm. they'll see disincarnates 
especially if a child is in an automobile accident that killed mom and dad, invariably the child will see their parents in their hospital room and will talk to them, um, especially on the ceiling, especially around the ceiling and the corners of the ceiling. So these are children who have um, actually gone through the near-death experience? a, Mm -hmm. a really bad... Um, accident, automobile accident, let's say, or truck, or or or, or uh, with, with the railroad. Anyway, a, a, a really serious accident, and um, and and they are injured, and and the hospital personnel and the nurses and the doctors are working with them. And when the child is in the room, in their room. Uh, They'll look up on the ceiling and see mom and dad. So it does. Maybe they mom don't. And dad nec- will be next to them. So they haven't necessarily gone through the NDE themselves, uh, but they can. If uh, this is just normal and natural for for everyday accidents, oh. uh, for anybody, mm-hmm. you know, if you're if you're going to be talking about ghosts, then I would like to redirect that to what is what. Um, uh, what is often the case with with people who go through trauma and they lose a loved one, maybe that loved one was sitting beside them, for instance, in an automobile accident. Okay. Uh, they can see that person afterward. Mm. And this happens so often, child or adult, that um, it's almost to be expected. Yeah, wow. What have you learned about the soul? What is the soul, in your opinion? Well, that's us. That's the real us, the higher self. You know, the real us, the higher self. You betcha. (laughs) You betcha. That's who we are. And what I've learned is that experiences like near death or prayer and meditation or kundalini breakthroughs or shamanic vision quests or all of these baptism of the Holy Spirit, all of these different kinds of transformations of consciousness, they all bring us closer and closer to identifying with and becoming more of the soul that we are. Um, It's almost like the real purpose of prayer and meditation is to get back to your, your soul, become more of your soul, integrate soul more in the personality right and into the uh, physical experience into yeah. the into your life yes yes you betcha <laughs> yeah you know i saw my dad um on the other side i think ah he died two years ago and he I, we, this was a dream that i had but it was a very vivid dream i was flying and I w- and I asked before I went to sleep. I really wanted to see him, and I, and it was almost felt like a lucid dream. In other words, I had some sense yeah. of being able to direct it uh, or being able to ask questions in in and be conscious um, while I was flying towards what I guess was going to be seeing my father, and I broke out into this almost like a bird flying over a field. Um, and there, there were two people down on a blanket in a big field, beautiful green grass. And, and as I came down and I hovered there, um, he turned around and, 
and he was young. Um, but he said, he said my name, and he said, can you see me? How is that possible? <laughs> he didn't understand how I could see him. And then he told me how beautiful it was there, and there was nothing to fear, and to tell my mother that he was doing great, and um, that she would be joining him at some point. Um, and, and then I started, I felt myself sort of being pulled back, and then I woke up. But it seemed very real. Um, I doubt that that was a dream. I think that was more of a visitation, that you really had an opportunity to see him. You know, often this occurs in dreams, and when they're vivid, when they're that vivid, and and when you have that kind of conversation, uh, I really suspect that was probably a visitation, mm-hmm. especially when he looked younger. Invariably, we, we look younger on the other side. Invariably, um, these handicaps that we're, we're born with are gone. Um yeah, that happens a lot. Wow, that's wonderful. It's very comforting. Do you think there is a heaven and hell, a judgment, a in-between, a borderland? Heaven and hell are both reported. Absolutely. Yes, people go to heaven. Yes, people go to hell. But as near as I can tell, of all the reports I've studied and all the people I've been with, um, it's as if when you die, you go to wherever you resonate. And what seems to exist on the other side are all these levels. It's like a layer cake. And there's lots and lots of levels. What I counted as near as I could tell were 12 heavens, 12 hells. And and what, what we describe as hell, call hell, is very often a more dense and slow-moving vibration. And what we call heaven is a finer, more uplifting vibration, Um, a happier place in the sense that it's more lovely. Mm. And the other one, a more gray or darker place. Um, But there are lots of different levels. And who we are uh, at the very core of our being, our real self, that's the real us. That's um, that's our resonation. That that vibration is where we go. We, we, we are attracted to wherever it is that matches our resonance factor. But but what I found was that there's no top and no bottom. You're not going to rot forever in hell, and you're not going to be playing a harp forever forever on a cloud somewhere. Rather. What I saw was movement uh, in this construct or in this assembly of levels. There's movement. And that movement is based on your choice. Um, it's even, it, your willingness to wake up or your willingness to learn or your willingness to, um, to move. And, 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 you know, when I look at that, when I look at what all these thousands of people have shared with me, then I'm really awestruck that something so fair, so absolutely fair could exist, that that we go to wherever it is we belong, wherever we resonate with that vibration, and we stay there only as long as as we want to stay there, need to stay there, um, 
however long it takes us to wake up. Wake up. Wake up to the oneness. Wake up to... Wake up to who we are and where we can go and what we can learn and, and how we can vibrate differently. Uh, our resonance factor, how that can change. Well, at, uh, on my, at the end of every show, I say, remember who you are and what you know. And, and that, that idea of remembering, um, let's talk about that, because that's very interesting that it's connected to, to your work. These near-death experiences help us, all of us, to remember who we are. And as we get further into them, as people get deeper into them, they realize more and more about who they are. When they come back, that's when, when while you're integrating this experience, you begin to know what you know. You begin to know what there is to know. And what, um, and perhaps what you're capable of. I, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm almost lost for words in describing what that's like to realize who you are and, and what you're capable of doing. Um, you know, just who you are. So I guess because suddenly, like, the big the big house and the big car just suddenly don't matter anymore. What really matters is love and oh, helping people, and, and <laughs> right? <laughs> no, what matters is love. What matters is forgiveness. It, 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 it's like people discover the new gospel of forgiveness and compassion. You know, these experiences it. eventually lead to the same place. Uh, all transformations of consciousness, if they are intense enough, all lead to the same place. And that's the place of oneness. So there's one God, one people, one family, one existence, one law, which is love, one commandment, which is service, and one solution to our problems, which is forgiveness. You know, most of the saints um, that were canonized by the Catholic Church had a near-death experience as a child. That's what got them on their path. So did Edgar Casey, the great, the really, you know, I didn't one know of the that. greatest um, psychics. Yeah, at the age age of five, just just this year, in fact, um, they discovered the letters written at the time by his family. He didn't have any of those abilities until after he drowned. It was not before. Well. Wow. So is it possible, like, let's say we want to, we want to get more in connect, in connection with who we are and more in touch with that. Um, do you think there's a way to do it without having a near-death experience? <laughs> Can <laughs> yes, we cheat? I do. <laughs> uh, certainly prayer and meditation, certainly contemplation, certainly various disciplines. Um, there's all, you know, the various religious groups and disciplines, like the Buddhists. Um, there's there's really good Christian disciplines, the, the disciplines of the mystics, certainly. Um, all kinds of spiritual um, disciplines are available to everyone now. They really are. Um, there's lots of books, there's lots of teachers, there's lots of DVDs, there's lots of CDs. The, uh, 
what hangs here in the balance is, are you willing to do it? Are you willing to stick with the program? You know, if you're just going to do it for maybe a couple of weeks or a couple of months and see how it feels, that's not going to accomplish much unless you go from that discipline to another. Um, and, 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 And the bigger discipline, I think, is taking all of this to the workplace, to the family, to the marketplace, um, driving your car, you know, balancing your checkbook. Just your daily life. Last night I was in a traffic jam, and people weren't letting each other in. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I was thinking, you know, it just is a wonderful way to show your kindness to let somebody in when they're trying to merge, sure. you know? sure. Uh, this is the, the real spiritual discipline. Can you live what you know to be true? And are yeah. you willing to? Are you willing to? Are you willing yeah. to? And and what are the... Um, well, it's I guess it's about getting outside of yourself and your ego and realizing that you're so much more than this body and this... Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, the body is fantastic, but um, you know what I mean. Yeah. Right, right, absolutely. That there's more to life, and that life is so exciting. It really is exciting. And it, and it can be joyful. It's up to you how much joy you want in it. Even when you're miserable, you can be joyful. Absolutely. There can be joy even in that. <laughs> I mean, I know. Well, life, I've done it you know, life, yeah. I will... All kinds of surgeries. Ooh. You betcha. And, 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 and I get well quicker than anybody else because of the joy. They say, they say that about people, you know, well, she's got a great attitude or she has an inner strength or, you know. Well, after these experiences, there are physiological changes as well as psychological. Yeah, let's talk about that. Is it, um, do you think it does something to the, the physical nervous system, the, the uh, you know, you the bet. actual wiring of our bodies when we... You betcha, you now, betcha. Okay, changes, I, I want to hear about it, that. Changes in brain structure, brain function, changes in the nervous system, the digestive system, and skin sensitivity. Um, you become much more, more uh, sensitive to sound and to light. Um, the blood pressure lowers. Um, there's less aging. Um, electrical sensitivity. Less tolerance for pharmaceuticals. But the big one here really big, is the divorce rate is between 71 to 77% within the first 10 years or um, even less. And, and that is huge. It's much higher than the national average. And I think Why? people need... Well, I think people need to realize here that the family wants back the same person who died. Uh... They don't want... Some, you know, reconfigured, rewired model. Woo-woo person. They the same person back. <laughs> and they, they don't get them. Right. You know? <laughs> so let me give you an example. In my own case, my oldest daughter, we come from Idaho. We're Idahoans, and Idahoans are plain speakers. They just come out with it. And, and my da- oldest daughter, Natalie, came to me one day, and she said, well... She said, you're friendlier now than you used to be. 
and I like talking to you, but you're not mom, and I want mom back. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, we mm-hmm. searched, searched for that woman for years, never did find her. <laughs> uh, it just, she's gone. Sure. <laughs> Good riddance, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, well you're, you you're just remember. Your mannerisms change. So then you say, well, actually, mom just woke up. This is mom. I just remembered who I am. I forgot for a while, and I'm sorry. Yeah. I... Well, you know, that's sometimes good and sometimes maybe not so good because children expect to be privy to you, exclusive to you. Your spouse expects to be privy to you and exclusive to you. One of the things I found with my children, I had three, is that they did not appreciate me loving all the kids on the block the same way I loved them. They wanted to be different, and I was no longer capable of doing that. I loved everybody, and well, I loved you, them unconditionally. Wow, because you said it's like a big love fest. Yeah. You know, when we talk about unconditional love, which is a wonderful term, it's, it, wow, it's wonderful. We forget that unconditional love, God's love, agape, cosmic love, it's love without an object. You love everybody, not just one. And that really gets to be confusing when when you're doing it, when you're practicing it, when that's all you can do is love everybody. And then the spouse begins to complain. They think you're flirting. Mm-hmm. Or or the kids feel unloved. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. Know, well, maybe we that's part the, of what people have to learn. That... Well, that's the underbelly. That That's the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. And I really think, um, to be honest, we need to look at the full picture here. It's wonderful, but it's also challenging. And I think you get that in dying to know you, proof of God in the near-death experience. But if the people want an even deeper look, they should look at my other book, Near-Death Experiences, The Rest of the Story. And that's where you get all the different aspects with children, with adults, with caregivers, with families. You get the full picture. It's really something. And I I also notice that people who are generally intuitive and psychic, um, many of the people who listen to this show consider themselves highly intuitive in touch with their higher selves or their spirit guides. And many times you do feel a little bit misunderstood. Um, you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, with near that. You're going to love this. With, with near-death experiencers, the first three years after or afterward, it's, it's like you become an evangelist because, you, you know, you're still high. You're still floating up there. You're still so filled with all that love and, and all that, ooh, um, uh, with all that you've learned and felt and saw and, and, and out-of-body experiences, and you come back um, more psychic than you ever dreamed you would ever be, more creative, more innovative, um, many of them more joyful. 
and um and, and people start turning away from them and and so I remind everybody remember 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 the first rule of discipleship mm-hmm. don't freak the natives <laughs> You know, I mean, this is really true. You want to be on top of the of, of your roof, yelling to a deluded world, um, God is, death isn't. And and you turn people off. Yeah. And I, they I think, think you sort of, you, but you begin to recognize each other in the crowd, and then you can seek each other out for support and guidance. And, and so maybe you're not talking to everybody about this, but there are people that you can talk to about this. Well, this is the integration process, where you get to a, a, a point where you can where you can bring this into your life in an everyday way and, and not be so um, uh, effusive and, and, and not be so overpowering, kind of, kind of tone it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that your your behavior is is a little bit less confrontive to other people. Sure. And and that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Well, it's just a, it's just fascinating. Well, I think our time is just about up, and I I wanted to thank you so much for taking taking time out of your day to join me and my um wonderful audience to talk about this. I have a little bit of a cold. I'm trying to clear my throat. Wait a minute. <laughs> so, well, remind everybody to get on my website, www.tmhatwater.com. Thank you. I have, a, I have a free monthly newsletter. They can sign up for it. Great. Yeah, and I really think this is so applicable for anybody who is interested in learning more about the world that we live in, as you say, there is no before, during, or afterlife. It's just, there's just life. Well, this is us. This is life. Yeah. And it's in everything. Yeah. So when we're talking about the near-death experience, we're talking about who we really are, who we have always been, and who we will always be. Beautiful. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, we will uh, keep uh, go to your website and keep up with you and look forward to talking with you again. Oh, that would be wonderful. (laughs) And have a happy Thanksgiving. Oh, thank you. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was great. It's really such a joy to speak with her. She is a very joyous person. Well, thank you for joining me today on Wisdom Radio. You can visit my website, wisdomradio.org. Sign up for my newsletter, and I will keep you in the loop about all future shows and guests. You know, I wanted to leave you today with a reading. Um, I have a little book on my website called Whispered Wisdom, and it tells a little bit about my backstory and has some channeled insights in the back of the book. I want to read one of them to you because it relates to today's show theme. It says, we are all here, there, everywhere. There are many ways to enjoy consciousness and energy. The physical is sublime. 
It's the expression of perfection, of manifested beauty. We strive for beauty, love, and union. Without physical, there is light and love and expansive consciousness, but there is little distinction, uniqueness, individualism. Pull out one drop of water from the ocean, place it in the sun, and observe the beauty of singular. It holds its own shape, reflects the colors of a prism, and is irresistible in its jewel-like beauty. Allow it to fall back into the ocean, and you will never behold that drop. You yearn for spirituality in the physical because you are spirit. In life and death, you retain your individuality. You are drops of water outside the ocean for a long, long time. Eventually, each spirit rejoins the oneness. Did you ever notice how water droplets seem to flow back towards the pool? Back towards gravity? The oneness of the universe is like gravity, and it attracts and pulls us always towards the ocean of conjoined spirits, as that is the source. The optimum state of being is as an individual with an awareness of your connection to the whole. You can utilize the power in the energy from the source for your singular pursuits of beauty, love, laughter, and joy. Remember who you are and what you know. I'll see you next time on Wisdom Radio. Was wird?